0: Good morning church, it's very good to be here today and it's so lovely actually even under the dims lights to see smiling faces because it does make a difference. Um, If you're joining us here today then you would know if you've been here before that we are going through a series entitled I have a dream. So if you're here in the auditorium you're very welcome, if you're watching online welcome also and if you're watching this back on YouTube many months from now, hey hope it's good. I want to start my message with a bit of an article that I read a little bit ago. Um, dreams, the UK bed company, compiled a list of dreams that changed the world. And I'm not going to go through the whole list, it's quite long, but I'll just give you a few that I think were quite notable. Um, one was this painting which is a famous painting by Salvador Dali. Um, It's called The Persistence of Memory. And Dali said that the painting, or the idea for the concept of this painting, came to him as a dream at night. And he said that it was a hand-painted photograph, which I think is quite beautiful. Might not be to your taste, but, you know, quite nice. The second dream that changed the world is this. And if you're a film buff, I'm a little bit of a film buff, um, it was a really groundbreaking film from 2010 by Christopher Nolan, um, all about dream-stealing and sleeping, and espionage while you're sleeping, it's a bit crazy. But Christopher Nolan says that the dream and the idea for the screenplay actually came to him based on dreams he was having at the time. Again, I don't normally dream about dream-stealing technology, but if you do, you do, fair enough. The last dream, and I think we can all admit, is a dream that we all have heard about, have read about, maybe we've listened to it as well, is a speech given by Dr. Martin Luther King. So many years ago, um, at the Washington Monument, where he spoke about a dream that he had of harmony in America and also around the world. I put a quote up there, which is one of my favorite quotes, Andy referred to it a few weeks ago, which says, I have a dream that one day, Every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Amen. Amen. I think that's a dream we can all get behind. Now, you don't have to be Salvador Dali, or Christopher Nolan, or even Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but I do believe that God is giving us all dreams that can and will change lives. Now, before we begin, I want to give you my title, which is Dreams That Change Lives, because we're continuing a journey through Genesis, and we're following the story of Joseph. If you've ever read the book of Genesis, you'll know there's a lot of interesting things that happen. Um, God creates the world, (laughs) which is amazing. Um, Adam and Eve are created, the fall of man happens, there's Noah building his ark, and of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And somewhere along the journey, we meet Joseph. If you've not joined us from any one of the series, messages that we've had, a quick summary into Joseph's life. He was one of 12 sons. Um, he was hated by his brothers and loved by his father. His brothers beat him up one day and basically sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt, ends up serving a really high and um, regarded man in Egypt. Unfortunately for him, he's a handsome lad, so you know his master's wife kind of puts the moves on him. Not very cool, but you know, he says no and he ends up in prison. And there in prison, he finds himself interpreting dreams, because one thing about Joseph was he was a real dreamer, and he actually got into trouble as a child for sharing his dreams really quickly, and a bit too early, I think, with his siblings and his parent, Jacob. So in prison, he interpreted two very important dreams. One was the dream of a baker, and the second was a dream of a butler. Now, the dream of the baker ended with him being executed, sadly. But the dream of the butler ended with the butler being restored to his former high position. And Joseph made one request of the butler, and it was this. Please, please, please don't forget me. I don't belong here. Like, I was taken from my father's family. I want to go back. Please, whatever you do, do not forget me. As it happens, the butler forgot him. Until one day, And Pharaoh, who was king in Egypt at the time, had two very odd dreams. And no one in the entire Egyptian court could tell him what it meant. And they tried, they really did try. And the butler just had one of those... Hold on, it's coming to me. I think I know a guy. And he named Joseph. And Joseph was marched from the prison into the palace to try to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. You can imagine the pressure's a little bit on. Thankfully, he gave the correct interpretation for the dream. And where we arrive in Genesis 41, which I'm about to read, is what happens after Joseph gives the correct interpretation. So we're going to be reading Genesis 41 from verse 41 to 57. But before I read, I've set the scene. I just want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Every day we get to open your word is a real blessing. As we read, would you speak to us about what you want us to understand? Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher we know. Would you teach us about Jesus today? Would you show us the message behind this passage? Holy Spirit, less of me and more of you do what you want to do and help us see Christ in Jesus' name. And I start from verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath-Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, The land produced plentifully, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipherah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Amen. Again, if you're looking for a title, it is namely this, Dreams That Change Lives. I believe that the story of Joseph is actually a literary masterpiece. I mean, you could watch it in a film. It'd be fantastic. And when I think about it, I think about somebody who goes on what we call you know, the hero's journey. And I put a visual on the screen just so you can see what it looks like. Joseph, who goes from slave to Egyptian ruler in a matter of years. And when you look at that visual, you can probably place various parts of Joseph's life on this wheel, on this chart. He's called to an adventure somewhere in the fields. He crosses thresholds and actually faces failure, the rejection from his brothers for being a dreamer and his father's favorite. He grows in a new skill. His dreaming was a skill. His dreams were also very highly prophetic. And one day, his brothers would truly bow down to him, but only after he'd been humbled. Now, Joseph's humbling came in the next stage. His death was literally faked. But his rebirth occurred at some point, maybe in the pit, maybe in the cistern, maybe on the way, the dusty road to Egypt. But he also has a revelation. And I believe the revelation may have happened when he was being tempted by Potiphar's wife. And the revelation, I believe, was this, that nothing and no one comes before God. God has to be first. Nothing is worth more than Jehovah. And that's where I believe Joseph has a change. Joseph seems to have matured. Life isn't all about him, but it's about God getting the glory in any which way possible. Amen? And his atonement also occurs, I believe, in the prison walls. Joseph correctly interprets two dreams, and they're only realized many, many years later. And there we meet Joseph, which is where we meet him in Genesis 41. It's where Joseph gets and receives a gift. And whether that gift is the opportunity to come before Pharaoh, whether it is all the elevation bestowed upon him, I'll let you decide that. But I want to focus on that point near the end, where Joseph gets a gift. Because I believe God's illustrating a few things to us through this specific passage and text. And the first thing, one of the first things that I think God is saying to us is that We have to get over our age. That's a bit hard to hear for some of us. I I believe it's a bit hard to hear. But we look at verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. But we have to remember, when we first meet Joseph, he was 17 when he was just playing in the fields, you know, being hated by his brothers. But he was 30 when he realizes his dream. And that reminded me of David. He was around 15, 16 when he killed Goliath, but he was 30 when he finally was anointed and became king. That also reminds us, of course, of Jesus. Jesus started his ministry on earth at age 30. His ministry ceased at 33, they say. But we met Jesus as a baby in a manger. Now for those of you thinking, what's it about the age 30? I'm not 30, what's the big deal? There's others in the Bible, 30 is not the number. Think about Abraham, 70 years old when God calls him out of his father's house. I think around 75 maybe when God gives him a new name and a new covenant. But how old was he when he finally got the child of the promise? How old was he when we finally got to know him as the father of many nations? I think around 100. For some of us, our age has been such a problem for us because we feel like our age is the thing that's stopping us from doing the things God wants us to do. And I want to encourage us that we're not limited by our age. We're not. We're limited by our commitment to the Lord, our commitment, our consistency, our enthusiasm, and of course our obedience to what God is saying. If Joseph is 30 when he entered service, he still had to wait those 13 years. And guess what? He still went to serve. And I wonder for some of us today if God is asking us, will you still serve? Will you allow your age to be the barrier and the reason why you stay sat down? Or will you say, my age doesn't define me? I'm going to get over my age today. Joseph gave his interpretation to Pharaoh, not thinking really about how Pharaoh might respond. He didn't know all that would be lavished upon him, and yet he still obeyed. And he didn't worry about the fact he'd been waiting years and years and years and years. He obeyed. So I want to ask you today, What about the dreams God has given you? Are you obeying those dreams? Are you taking decisive action to work alongside God to make those dreams a reality? I believe God gives us the dream, but he also wants to build those dreams with us. Don't allow the wait or the delay stop you. Also, I believe that sometimes the dreams we have are not things for us to do alone. What about the dreams of other people? For some of us, the dreams that God has laid on our hearts are dreams to support other people in our lives. Can we do that? Can we protect other dreamers? Can we stand alongside them? Can we support and encourage them? Even if you've been waiting a long time, maybe it's not 13 years, maybe it's 30 years, can you still build the dream that God has placed on your heart? Because the dreams that God has given us, I believe, do not expire. Joseph goes from convict to basically a prime minister in a single day. And he has the second most high-ranking position in Egypt. Imagine, he gets a new name, new job, new home, and a new wife. In one day. He didn't let the time that had elapsed cause his hope to also die. But he trusted that the God who said would also do. Amen. But I wonder again, what if Joseph had allowed the words and the actions of his jealous brothers to stop him? What if he allowed the jealousy and the offensive things they did to keep him stuck in prison? What if he had allowed it to affect how he obeyed God? I have this quote which I really love by Nicky Gumbel. He was the, until recently, former vicar at Holy Trinity Brompton and actually one of the originators of the Alpha course that we run here in our church. And he has a really great way of saying this, and it's don't let people's compliments get to your head, and don't let their criticisms get to your heart. You know, that's a quote that I really have to keep close because I'm a real sucker for words. And sometimes I know that words can affect me deeply. But that quote is real. People will always have something to say about who you are, where you've come from, how old you are, and things that people like you can and can't do. But your age is not your expiration date. Another thing that I think this chapter is illustrating is that God wants us to remember him. Now, I could have put that first batch, I put it second because in verse 51 and 52, we see that Joseph names his two sons. And he names them, illustrating that he knew exactly who had gotten him to this point. God had truly caused him to heal from the pain, the abuse, the bullying of his brothers and of his past. And God had replaced that suffering with prosperity. He still had, before we forget, this really traumatic experience and memory of all that he'd been through. But you know what? He didn't name his children kidnapping and slavery. And I believe that some of us need to remember God's in what we're going through, in the waiting, in the working out the dream, we need to remember the God who called us and remember God more in this season of trying to dream dreams that change lives. So whether you're in the camp of healing from a past pain or whether you're on the cusp of enjoying great prosperity, I want to encourage you wherever you stand to remember God. And maybe you're thinking, oh, Stephanie, that sounds good. (laughs) That sounds nice, but I'm busy. I've got a lot on my plate. How do I remember God more than I already do? What can I actually do? I don't know where to start. I put a screenshot of a few suggestions in my slide. So I have quite a lot of apps on my phone, and there's a folder titled Christianity. And maybe you're using some of these apps already, but a lot of them are available, all of them, are available on the Apple App Store or Google, the Google Play one. I don't know what it's called. I'm an iPhone girl. But yes, These are apps that help with daily devotionals, meditation, Bible study. Feel free to take a picture if it helps you. But one of those apps I'll really shout out is one called um, Lectio 365 and Bilingual 4SL. And Bilingual 4SL is an app that helps me remember God when it comes to sharing my faith. It has a translation for the gospel message in every single language you can imagine. So if you struggle to remember God daily, weekly, try an app. Try and get into a good habit of putting God first in the morning before you go to bed and see how that works. Because I think it's a really simple way to remember God, not just for our dreams, but also for our entire lives. The next thing that I want us to take from this passage in Genesis 41 is that God dreams trump good dreams. And that's in the final two verses, 56 and 57. Did anyone read the part where God allowed Joseph to sell to everyone in the world. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I thought, it's not just a good dream, it has a lot of God in it. Joseph feeds hundreds, thousands, maybe millions, we'll never know. So all the dreamers, I wanted to ask a question. The dream that God has given you, the thing that he's placed on your heart, who gets to benefit? Joseph had a dream at a young age, but the benefit wasn't for Joseph, It was for many, many nations around the world. I would submit that if the dream only benefits the dreamer, it might be too small. Maybe God wants to give you more. And there's a phrase and a quote that I guess I'll quote myself. God dreams serve more than the dreamer. God, God dreams have to serve more than you. Good dreams can serve you, that's fine. But God dreams have to serve many people. And every time we see God dreams in the Bible, I believe we see many lives being saved. We know of Noah, we know of Esther, who can we name? We can name so many people in the Bible whose dreams have saved more than themselves. And I think every time we dream, we have to think about the benefit of those dreams. Why God has given us the stewardship of those dreams. It can't just be about us. Amen. Now, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to continue dreaming. And if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to join us on Monday the 12th of February for Dare to Dream. Now, it's going to be a night where we're going to explore all the dreams that God has given us. So, if you can, please sign up. There's a QR code behind me. You can sign up online or right now. um, And just plan to be there. We want to dream together. We want to encourage each other to take those actionable steps whatever God is calling you to, let's do it together. Um, But before we get to Monday the 12th of February, there's a few steps I believe we can do this morning, and actually today. And the first is this, pursue the dream. I want to really challenge you to be bold, to be unashamed, to be colorful. Pursue the dream that God has laid in your heart. You owe no one any apologies and actually whatever you do with your dream don't quit on it just keep working it let god keep leading you to do that dream there's a nice slogan just do it just do it get the dream done some writers note about joseph that you know in his early life he had his dreams interpretations rejected but in his later life he had the dream interpretations accepted what if he had stopped at the rejection what if he had chucked it in and thought, oh, I'm not cut out for this dream life? He'd never had made it to the palace. Some of us have to just pursue the dream. Form the habit of keep going. And if you're struggling to go forward, get someone to help you. Be accountable to somebody. Because the dreams are so big, we don't need to quit right now. We know that dreams that change lives are pursued when you're in the pit. When you're in the prison, prison, sorry, and until you get to the palace, whatever the palace looks like please pursue your dream. Another thing that I want us to take away is that the dream is not all about you. Sorry to break that bubble, it's not. The message that really hit home with me when I read Joseph's message is that Joseph is not the hero of this story. God is the hero. Joseph was given the task, the really weighty task of handling a dream and interpreting a dream, but he's not the hero in the same way that we are not the heroes of our own stories. It's always about God. And I think it has to be. It has to have a higher purpose. It has to have a greater benefit. Because there are good dreams, like I said, and there are God dreams. But actually, the benefit of God dreams is that many people get to enjoy what God is doing in your life. There's a quote that I was thinking about in this book, if you haven't got it, please do, by Rick Warren, Created to Dream. and Rick says this, Pastor Rick, sorry, we're not that familiar. Always leave room for God to exceed your expectations. The dreams that God has for you are bigger than you can even imagine. If the dream's only for you, only about you, it's too small. I want us to dream in a bigger way. And I want to encourage you to think about what God is saying to your dreams, to you, to your dreaming. It can't be about me, Stephanie. Stephanie it has to be about more people let's look for that today and again another thing i would like us to take away is that we need to put god's his purpose and his will at the very center of our dreams and our dreaming the story of joseph again isn't about how good joseph was it's about how faithful god is and god stays faithful the bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot, will not, and never does deny himself. So the consistent descriptor of Joseph is God was with him. And it's interesting that because even when we meet him, God was with him. And it's something I believe that it's no surprise he was favored. His life was paginated by people noticing that God was with him. How does somebody go from being a slave to being the head of the servants in a household? How does someone go from being a prisoner to being, if it was a title, head boy in prison? God was consistently with him. And he was blessed as a result. And I wanna encourage us to say that God was with Joseph then, and God is with us now. The main point of Joseph's story for me is that dreams that change lives are dreams that have God at the center because God is with us. And perhaps something that keeps coming back, and even now as I'm speaking, it's coming back again, that the greatest dream that was ever revealed was God's dream and God's plan to save humanity. That's the best dream I know. (laughs) Nothing tops that. I put John 3.16 on the screen, but I could have easily put... Romans 3, 23, or Romans 5:8, But John 3:16 we know that verse. We, know, we love that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God is always about the business of leading us to salvation. That's the best plan, the best dream we've ever heard of, because God's at the center of that. And when we read about Joseph... I believe that we're meant to see Jesus. Where do you find a man who's taken from one country to another, put into such difficult situations, taken to Egypt, put into slavery, put into prison, but yet was allowed and made to feed and save many nations? It's meant to remind you of Jesus. And as I read Joseph's story, I believe that just as God was saving people through Joseph, God is still saving many today through Jesus. That is the dream that I want us to anchor to today. And we can take from that that the dream of salvation is with us anywhere we go. God's dream for saving people through his son Jesus Christ is with us. And we can pursue that dream because it's not about ourselves. We can pursue that dream because it's about saving people from sin. And actually, we can put God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at the center of that dream. Because ultimately, God is the only person with a transformative track record. He never loses and he always accomplishes everything he sets out to do. So today I want to encourage you in that God has got dreams for us. Dreams that will change many lives. And actually, the dreams that God is giving us is changing lives today. It's changing mine and I know it's changing yours. Amen? I want to encourage you to stand, please. Now, While we stand, I just want us to think about the dreams that God has given us. And actually, whatever position you feel comfortable with, if you want to close your eyes, if you want to bow your head or raise a hand, I want us to invite the Holy Spirit to help us, even in this moment, to think about the dreams that God has laid on our hearts. The dreams that we feel are so enormous, we couldn't possibly do it on our own. And guess what? We're not meant to. When I was preparing this message, I felt there was a group of people, perhaps, who could really relate to the story of Joseph because they know how it feels to be the black sheep and the golden child. And maybe you struggled with that tension of being loved by a father or a mother, but despised and resented by your siblings. And there are some people, I believe, also, who may wrestle with the other side of that, Well, you've lived in the shadows of a golden child. And you've never had the benefit of attention, love, acceptance, affirmation. But there is a God here today who loves and affirms you. I feel the Lord reminding us, and actually I I put this in my preaching, that we should stop looking at our circumstances and start looking at the goodness of our God. So for anyone here who's struggling to dream, I want us to invite the Holy Spirit to help us with that. I felt when I was preparing, there was a lot of people actually who are struggling to wait. Because time keeps getting longer and longer. And actually, if you're honest with yourself, you hate waiting. I just wanted to encourage you to trust God with the wait. The wait is glorious and it is for your good, is what I feel I want to encourage you with. And lastly, I wanted to speak to anyone who is highly gifted. I believe there are a lot of people who are very, very gifted. And the issue that you find as a highly gifted person is you're often met with criticisms and people not understanding, misunderstanding you. And I wanted to remind you that you are understood in Christ. You don't need to perform. You don't need to hide your light under that bushel. I want us to be encouraged today.